Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hey everyone, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chickren on Twitter. Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and I'm at the hyphen real hyphen commas place on Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. Clotho, my sister refers to you as the one with the laugh, just so you know. Um, I know, I think that's like sweet. Um, Love it. So tonight we are gathered together to do a final retrospective on the entire Game of Thrones series. Um, I like how I'm purposely saying that in the most like formal, morose tone possible, because actually (laughs) it's the exact opposite of kind of how we're going to structure this episode. Um, We've obviously gone, we've gone pretty far, pretty far into it. And um, we hope that this one kind of serves as a bit of a palate cleanser as we move on to what we're going to be doing next on this podcast, which is doing a, um, another re-re-read of the Jamie and Brand chapters. So, um, spoiler warnings, um, warnings for rape and like hideously poor writing uh, ahead. <laughs> so I wanted to have some general questions first, or maybe a more difficult question for you guys. When you look at the entire Game of Thrones series, um, anyone want to give letter grades by season? Mm. Sure. <laughs> okay. Game. Go for it. <laughs> oh wait. Um, I'd say like season one is like for me is like an A minus. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I'd say season two is like a B plus. I, I mean, and then after that, it all goes to hell. But you well, know. let's hear it. Let's see the whole report card. Oh, okay. So it's me doing this. Um, <laughs> like I think season three, we're we're kind of in B B minus territory. I I feel like the setup for certain things. If we're talking overall, we're not yeah. just talking Jamie and Brienne here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's hard because um, different arcs might have been different characters. But I mean, a overall, D. <laughs> I think the setup, the divergence started to kind of tell, mm-hmm. and then. God, season four had some great stuff, but overall, I think again we're kind of we're we're doing a very downward curve, in my opinion. Why am I the one doing this? Um, it's funny that it's you. Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing it, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Season five for me was like a D, D minus. I mean, again, if I'm looking at this overall. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Season five was. 
<laughs> I mean, it was when stuff just really started to go to shit with the plotting. And I don't know. For me, the whole thing just turned into a... I've been thinking it's been an onward, downward arc overall. And I mean, we're beyond F in season. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's worse than F. <laughs> you really think it was a downward arc the whole time? I think there were momentary blips here and there. And I think if you had asked me, say, to just look at the Jamie Brienne story, that would be different. That might be more of a, you know, kind of up and down business or just looked even at Jamie's. I think it would waver. But if I'm looking overall at the whole series, I think it started pretty high and Maybe there were peaks and valleys there, but I think it was overall, this is a student who was partying too hard and not paying attention to work. And, and there were definitely some spots where, like, Talisa, and I did not, I wasn't a fan of Roz. I mean, there, there were things that drove me crazy that I, I would have given D's early on. You know, if you took specific storylines, I would have given but, really bad. Yeah, I guess I'm saying, like, if we're thinking overall, as a whole, yeah, as average. like, as a whole, then I'm going with a downward arc. If you're asking me to look at specific stories, it's a different story. I mean, that's a yeah. different grade. So, yeah. and if we're so talking about compared to, to you know, compa- we're talking about as in comparison to the books or just as a standalone. Like it's hard for me to even judge it as a standalone anymore. So, <laughs> I think you have to. I mean, yeah. I think, I think it almost has to be a standalone. I don't know. I mean, it almost can't be, but it almost has to. I know be that's the hard part. It's like, how does it stand? <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> as as a standalone. I mean, I guess that's the you know. Yeah. So in my brain, this was like, well, this would be a light, fun episode, and already I, I'm already right. like, so you, this you is the problem us, with Kyle. the show is that um, <laughs> even if you judge it as on its yeah. as its own thing, as if it wasn't an adaptation, um, so you know, holes. season eight literally with within one episode like negates everything that happened in the prior episode. So I mean, yeah. I, I think there's there's things like that that just you know make it. You can't even like give them extra points in, in some cases for, um, you know, a show a, a show only version basically of the show. So it, it's well. So what okay, grades? So, okay, would, can I oh, can I ahead. give mine because I have a little Absolutely. different. Absolutely, my yeah, my my curve on that looks a little different. I, I would like if I were to start, I would you know keep in mind I hate adaptations of anything I've ever touched before. <laughs> um, I, I would say season one is around a D. Season two, <laughs> I think, wow. is around a C. And I think season three probably hovered around a C or C minus. And season four probably was back to a D. And then from there, it's hard to even remember exactly what happened in which season five and six are really, like, melded in my mind. So they're just, like, total Fs and so are seven and eight, I think. But I, I definitely thought it got better in the middle and I want to say because you know it, it really did matter to me when the production values and shit did get as good as they got it actually did improve the experience for me um, I it's funny reading all the reviews people were talking about how it kind of got more cinematic over time and I was like yeah you know like there's a little bit more of a feature film experience in the later seasons that kind of made you detach from the deeper level of storytelling that you might have begun to expect in the first seasons and so for me, that kind of took the edge off of some of the really terrible stuff. I mean, you know, I'm a huge Miguel Sapochnik fan, and I think there were some good moments in the later seasons. It's just the story was well, a mess. I, but I mean, wasn't it always a mess? I thought, like, 
like Hard Home is a great episode. I, you know, there's stuff like that. I definitely think they did really well, but I guess my grade is more overall. So, can you guys give an overall grade for the series? Mm. Oh, God. Mm. Do I have to? <laughs> I mean, oh, you God. don't have to, but um, you, you are on a podcast. That's the grade. Kicked right out. Alternative school. That's the grade. <laughs> Anyone else game? I'm going with a C. Eon or Clotho? <sighs> I'm just ripping up their term paper and burning it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if the first few make up for the last. That's the hard part. Like, the last one, you know, six, seven, eight are so bad that I don't know if the early ones can make up for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so it's, hard to, it's hard for me to go anything above a D at this point, you know? Like, and it's and that sad. feels really generous. It's sad. Like, I canceled HBO, and I don't want to... I think it, it, it shut off today. It's like the 29th. Yeah, tomorrow. And I was like... I was thinking, like, I don't even want to... Like, it's horrible. Like, I have those... I still have some discs, have the commentary, but it just makes me such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. it loses a lot in the rewatch, you know, like, value, because I I don't know that... So much of it was for nothing. Right. I know. So, so as long as we're we're feeling down, let's go further. So, (laughs) um... What was the most maddening, unresolved mystery from the series? Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Just so much! Oh my gosh! God. What they left so many strings and strands of the story hanging. Um, I I don't even know where to begin. I mean, like there are so many smaller kind yeah. of things. Like they never really got into who Melisandra was. There's, you know, you never even got the rest of Varys' backstory, and they kind yeah. of set it up like you would. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Dang. And the, the swords, I like I, I'm sad that nothing was ever mentioned about the two swords. Mm-hmm. And the... Oh, about Widow's Whale and Oathkeeper. Yeah. 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 They, they, well, because they built all that up, mm-hmm. and I was expecting there to be something with it, and mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I mean, even with, I mean, for me, it, sort of the symbols that they found in yeah. the caves. Like, what the hell was that oh, about? God. Why and do all that? What was yeah. the? Why did you, you know the White Walkers like to leave body, body graffiti? Right, like why are they decorating? And even um, I thought they were gonna do something with that with the whole Targaryen yeah. symbol, but no, no, not really. And the, then if you watch, like I actually did end up watching the documentary and like the um, Vlad, oh, I forgot his last name already, who did the Night King verdict. Yes, I think. he was like, you know. It even sounded like he in his head was trying to put some kind of backstory, you know, which I thought was cool that he was even attempting to know that he was angry because they turned him. So he's like, well, I'm going to kill you. You know, if you want me to kill him, I'm going to kill him. So it was kind of, I thought that was cool that he made an effort, whereas they didn't at all. You know, yeah. I, I still wanted something. I wanted something more out of them. You know, I wanted some kind of. Like, why? The White Walkers, why? Yeah, Their motivation. The white... Yeah. 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 See, that for me, I, like, I don't. I didn't like the whole Night King business. Yeah. Like, I would have been perfectly happy just to know. Like, that's one of the things I thought was interesting in the 
books was that they were just sort of this like you I don't think they have a motivation and I'm okay with that. Oh, I, I think in the, the books they absolutely have a motivation. They have I like mean, a language. George, they have George a, has talked at length about how he hated that Tolkien had like the orcs and and these these, you know, basically enemies who who never really had a fully understood motivation. Mm-hmm. Which is why I've always expected You're to that get be. the motivation okay. from George and within his series. And I think there is something there within the books. Um, I just, I mean, the show, I get why they did the Night King angle, which is absolutely their invention. I mean, I, I get why they wanted to do it that way and have one dude you could just kill and mm-hmm. call it a day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you can't... <sighs> You have to humanize someone a little bit for people to even really invest, you know, or I don't know. It's like when when someone isn't human, you just know that the quote unquote good guys are going to win. So I don't know. Okay. So along these same lines, you know, what was the worst drop storyline or or is it, you know, exactly the same as these mysteries or is there... You know, a character or storyline that you feel like we just, like, they forgot about, essentially. Like, they forgot it existed. Where do I even begin? Yeah. yeah and I'm going to eat my words on this, because I remember a while back I talked about, well, maybe the Stoneheart situation isn't a big deal, but I really am eating that now. And I wish they would have gone into Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's indicated that it's pretty big, you know. Well, that's another question was, you know, what do you feel like is the worst omission that from the books that didn't make it into the show? I so mean, Stoneheart. I, I kind of hated Stoneheart, but at the same time, I think that would have been I'm really surprised. Well, I'm not surprised because they're very much a spiteful school of writing. Um, but I thought like that was a real missed opportunity. I mean, I think they could have done that and done that really well and I don't understand other than the fact that they were pissed at George or didn't want it they wanted to subvert expectations air quotes there um, I'm like I thought that was a stupid idea I think that could have been really cool but yeah I mean I, I almost I hate to say it but I kind of feel like it's not having an Ariane and, and a fake Egan mm-hmm. mm. yeah that would have helped too and it's yeah. not a it's not storyline I particularly enjoy, but you kind of see like, oh yeah, there needs to be like a you know a quote unquote successful king and queen in King's Landing when Danny rolls into town. Yeah, and it sure as hell ain't gonna be Cersei. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I don't know. This it's so interwoven. It's like. What's the difference between what's the worst thing that they dropped and the worst thing that, you know, they kind of changed? I mean, obviously, I think we're all going to say them making Cersei a way bigger deal than yeah, she is yeah. in the books yeah. is oh, probably the biggest mistake, mistake that they made. Um, and that I involves that. dropping Aegon and everything. So let's give a couple of positive questions. Who do you guys, who would you vote as best actress over the course of the series? Hmm. And we're going to do a best supporting as well. So think of, um, you know, like our our leads per se. 
I mean, uh, for my, yeah, I was going to say Michelle Fairley yeah. is still, I think, my favorite. I mean, Lena's right in there, but yeah, Michelle Fairley was so good. She was very solid overall. I think that really helped her. I mean, I think she was just, Lena sometimes, I, I mean, part of it was what they were given to write, but I felt like Michelle Fairley always had chemistry with everybody. And yeah. Well, and she so she had so little material in like season three. By the end, they were giving her hardly anything but garbage, and she still was pretty like, damn good. Work? Yeah. Any I other mean, candidates? I mean, obviously, I loved Natalie Dormer. Oh yeah. Natalie she was Dormer. also pretty solid. Moving on to, you know, like the supporting actresses, who who were you really, who's your favorite there? Um, I, I really liked, I mean, the, I can't remember her name. She played Egret. I, I thought she did a really oh, great Rose job. Leslie? Leslie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she was good. I mean, Gwen, by the last couple of seasons, yeah. has oh, been pretty damn good. I mean, like, this season, yes. she was... Like, compare this to her season two performances, and she has, like... Oh, I, I mean, like, she's amazing now. Definitely. She's great. Yeah, she's really grown as a performer. I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, given the part that she had to play, which has, you know, basically one emotion 98% of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one season she was just staring out of a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, really in our in a lot of our chapter recaps, I don't know if you guys remember, but we've have George writing those um those chapters where basically the POV is sitting behind a desk and people come to visit them and to me it's like the show equivalent is the character framed by a window you know looking out of it sipping wine or just you know staring like you know Cersei had that this season Brienne had it in season five Um, I'm sure you know other characters also probably had similar similar things but it's like it felt like Sansa kind of had that last season yeah yeah. Charles Dance spent an awful lot of time writing letters yeah yeah. but I mean at least there it was like oh he's writing letters to the Boltons and the Freys like there was a yeah you know we were supposed to be you know we were supposed to be knowing that I think but yeah they really they really leaned hard on that people looking out of a window shot (laughs) um how about the guys uh, best actor, best supporting actor candidates. God, there's this. Yeah. I, I think the show really did casting really well. Yeah. And it's hard to pick. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, he's not at all a lead, but Conleth was always amazing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And obviously, we'd all love it more faces. right now. Yeah, but I would have said him regardless. The background of scenes were always like precious. (laughs) Oh, the wedding! Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I mean, Sean Bean wasn't too bad either. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very good. No, Jack Gleason. You know, I mean, he was could not have had a better Joffrey. (laughs) I mean, Nikolai definitely had his moments, but Nikolai also has non moments. So it's hard to it's hard to give him like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> full blown. Well, and, I mean, Alfie Allen. I mean, that's the. Oh, yeah, Alfie. You know, I would uh, go with him, definitely. I really liked Jason Momoa's Cal Droko. I mean, I was really yeah. impressed that he learned Dothraki for the part. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm like, well, why else would you learn Dothraki? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I know, it's just for the hell of it. <laughs> People who learn Klingon just for fun? I don't know. Um, you know, among like maybe the one shot or just couple episodes or small or smaller characters, were there anyone that really stood out for you? I feel like Ewan Rand has to get uh, a nod in there because he was also fucking ridiculous as Ramsey. I mean, I know everybody hated him. But I mean, I mean it's it, it's hard because he's so he was really good, but then they started like writing. They wrote, you know, the Winterfell <laughs> plot from Ramsay's point of view. You know, like what a bizarre yeah. choice. You know that actor yeah, has been. There's I a sitcom he was on with Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi, and he's hysterical in that. He's got a lot of range. I well, mean, he's got a lot of range. I liked um. I really like David Bradley as well. I mean, I think they oh, did a yeah. really good job with casting a lot oh, of these parts, but they had so many good, yeah. just good, solid working actors who were there to get their, you know, do their job and take their paycheck home. And yeah, we're so good. Well, like Carice and Liam and, you know, yeah. They, they Stephen really Delane did. and... Yes, uh, yes. I just think of Stephen Delane and, like, how... They accidentally cast, you know, the perfect Stannis, and like, there's some castings that you'll, I mean, you can't possibly ever, like, yes, when there's a remake or whatever, it can't possibly be better cast, and that's kind of yeah. the shame of it yeah, is that, like, yeah, Stannis will be one of those. Yeah, like you, you know, unless I mean, unless you cast them really close to their book counterparts, which in which case, you know, then. Then they're a little bit weird looking or a little bit different, you know, or, you know, animated. And I feel like in an animated version, they would just literally draw Stephen Delane. <laughs> and that would be, you know, that would be it. That would be why. I mean, actually, we haven't even mentioned Mark Addy, who I think, you know, for someone who physically doesn't really resemble the character he's playing, <laughs> yeah. was like the embodiment of him to the, you know, to like such an incredible mm-hmm. ex- extent, like just through like sheer force of like personality, he was, you know, he was Robert Baratheon. And I mean, he, you know, if you look at him on paper, it's like, <laughs> my God, really? You would never even think. Does anyone remember... Ha- ever read you know when they announced that casting was there kind of some widespread issues with that yeah i think people were grumbling right because i i can't i watched it a little bit i think it was like second at the end of the second season so i missed a lot of those early grumblings but i heard about it people weren't well, i just remember you know people bitching about Nikolai because of his big nose yeah, and stuff. And there is like, a lot of bitching about a lot of people. I think <laughs> I wasn't in fandom then either, Clotho, so I don't know. Um, I think I found some of it after the fact when I was sort of like, you know, when I gotten into the fandom and I was Googling and I re- I remember reading a lot of the people's like fantasy casting going, I, you're not going to get whoever they were, you know, looking for. It's hard, like, yeah. A lot of wishful thinking. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's like, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to find a big, fat guy to be Bobby B. Oh, instead. No, no, you know? I, I just mean for, like, 
like in general like there were some people oh who, yeah like the you know Brad and i'm like yeah you're and, not gonna no. get whoever you're looking for it's just not <laughs> these are you know superstars and they're not going to be doing a fantasy show it's funny like one of the things that's come out is those little clips from the documentary and one of them is the um season one table read and you know Maisie williams looks oh you know she's like eight i think yeah and nikolai Tiny. looks Nikolai looks like he's 20. Yeah, he does. He's like in his late 30s, probably. He's not, but he looks looks it. Right, he looks like just such a baby. And it's like, oh my god. You know, kind of the nice thing about that, it does give like a little bit of affection for the show. Like, I have a lot of affection for, you know, the first cast and the crew. Yeah. Yeah. I I just don't think, like, it seems like pointless to me to. To watch, to rewatch those seasons, even though you know I enjoyed them, it's just knowing where it goes or doesn't go. It's hard to. Um, I mean, you might feel differently with time. Yeah, Maybe you know, time heals yeah. the wounds. No one can I, see. I still have. I mean, I don't regret my purchase of like the first three seasons, three mm. three or four seasons of the DVDs. I refuse to buy anything after that. But <laughs> I mean, and I've watched some of those scenes and stuff I thought they were well done I don't regret and I have no regrets for the time I spent on this show um I mean I wouldn't have met you dorks without it exactly <laughs> that's how I look at it yeah I mean yeah I, guess, I mean like I, sorry go ahead go no I I mean I have I don't know <laughs> yeah so like the show was Azura High it brought us together <laughs> There's salt. <laughs> Our salt lore. And we were all Nissa Nissa. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> um, I don't want to get into you know who is the worst actor actress, but you know, are there any weak links you'd like to oh, call god. out? <laughs> well, one of them got an Oscar. An Oscar. <laughs> Played a sand snake. She was. Although I think that was mostly. I don't know what you do with lines like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean oh, like yeah. God? What were they supposed to do with that? I don't know. Not even yeah. like well, this is when I first discovered that D and D were horrible people is how they killed the sand snakes oh, and made yeah. them say really insulting lines. That's as if the issue with the character were the actresses playing them. You know, yeah, yeah that was horrible. Found that really offen- Found that really offensive. I I do think that um, what's his name, um. No, not Peter Baelish. Um, the act or um, Aiden, Aiden um, Gillen. I don't think he was good enough to be doing that part. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think he's good enough. I think he just had the wrong take on it, as we yeah, all said. Right the Wire. Just, and even there, I mean, I've been rewatching The Wire, and he's not as great as I think I thought he was. No. I, I just, <laughs> I don't think he, he had a tendency to go so over the top with his stuff and the mustache twirling and part of that may have been the direction he was receiving but I, I think he kind of dragged a fair amount down I don't know maybe that's over harsh well yeah I, I think part of it with him on Game of Thrones was just that I, I think he maybe didn't know how he was supposed to be in retrospect I wonder if he really knew how he was supposed to be. Yeah, it was kind of like yeah. shocking, like just things that have come out, like how little information they gave them. Like it sounds like they kind of just threw all the actors, like they almost had to discuss amongst themselves. And I don't know, maybe that's typical. I don't know. I don't have a sense of how. But no. 
uh, that's kind of bizarre to me that you wouldn't want people to yeah. have background or steps. Or... I, I think like it's one thing if you, I mean, they don't want to read the source material and then they say, okay, here's our vision. And then you, you follow the vision. I think that's totally acceptable and done. But it sounds like in a lot of cases, they weren't giving them anything at all. That's awful. Like that would be a scary feeling like in any job, you know, you just think any, you need something to go on, you know, God. <laughs> Well, well, we I mean, talked like, about this on one of the episodes, didn't we? But, like, it, it was a weird position having the showrunners be the writers. And, yeah. you know, normally actors turn to their director for those questions. And yeah. it seems like D&D kind of superseded the directors in some of those instances um, where it wasn't just the director interpreting the script. They, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, yeah. it's interesting because normally actors would ask the director, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, when they are not sure. And that and doesn't the di- seem to have been Yeah, and the director's the explanations a lot of times seem so, like, I mean, I know you're going to have variation, but they seem so, like, opposite, you know what I mean? Just out there from one end to the other, you know, and I know everybody's going to have a different, slightly different vision, but they're just... But they shouldn't, you know? Yeah, like There has to be some like continuity you, for it to make sense. Right. Well, I mean, that does actually happen a lot in TV, especially network TV, like 22 yeah. episode a, uh, season yeah. TV. That there, You actually can have a wild amount of variation it's it's kind of like how we keep having this cogman discussion in jamie brand fandom where i think people think that the writer's room on game of thrones works like it works on say a cw show yeah. and it just you know it doesn't yeah. um D have absolute control over the entire storyline for the entire yeah, season they're... and they, you know everybody who's writing an episode they might have a little freedom to maybe add a scene or two here or there but pretty much every character beat has already been decided by David and Dan before they ever. So they're the first. So we just continue to blame them as being the fuck ups because. I, I mean, mean, I don't know what else to do. I know. Uh, Cogman is in there. Cogman's in, in the middle of that. He he definitely seems to be in on those discussions. But the last time I heard him interviewed on a podcast, it sounded to me like David and Dan absolutely had the final say on all of that. It's just and so- you know this is what you see in the post. You know. Mad Men world, like where you have these really powerful showrunners mm-hmm. who are also writers, and and they just are able to really make all of these calls. It does mean you get better TV, but there is a, a price to pay, and that there's nobody in there, you know, blowing the whistle. Well, I think, yeah, like you have a strong vision, but I mean, this was an adaptation where they clearly had no vision of their own. That's and that's the issue too. Like, oh my god, we just finished watching, and I like Star Trek, so I'm biased, but we finished watching Discovery, and I really like the second season. Like, I like the first one, but oh my god. It was so, uh, maybe the contrast, because I just finished with Game of Thrones, it was like, this, it made sense. Everything made sense. There was an overall arc. It was intelligent. I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? It was just such a drastic difference. It wasn't like, track, like, but it was it was good. Yeah, and they, like, yeah, everything pieced together by the end. Like, you were like, oh, that makes yeah. sense. Like, it was smart. Like, I, and that's, that's what's missing from this. It's like this willy-nilly kind of like, we'll figure it, you know out as we go crap that ended up well, like not if you look at out. someone <laughs> like um like matt weiner from Mad Men, who honestly seems like the world's biggest asshole yes. um he's at least a talented asshole yeah and you end up with i mean i can't listen to his dvd commentaries because i want to slap him but i mean he ends up with he does have a vision it is fairly cohesive, and if I don't always agree with like the character choices or things, at least it makes some sort of consistent sense. Yeah. 
you know, you look at someone like a David Chase or um, an Aaron Sorkin. I mean, these are also these are showrunners with a lot of power, but they are at least again the decisions sort of. But they delegated, yeah. and they more. did delegate yeah. a lot. And these guys, I don't. They just took their audience for granted too. I mean, they're they're, they're assuming that we're not going to remember things that we're not well, going to want. You know, they, can I say, simultaneously can I, they require us to read through the lines. Yeah. They read yeah. to do so much of the storytelling ourselves. Yeah. Because, can I say because I've been formulating my thoughts on this. You know, <laughs> uh, it's been really frustrating for me as I voiced everywhere, um, watching people suddenly complain <laughs> about Game yeah, of Thrones. Like, where have you been? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I figured out. Why? Um, from the minute I started watching Game of Thrones, which I think was not until season two was finished, yeah. I had to fill in a lot of blanks myself from what I knew of the books. And um, I, as I people found out I was watching and they knew I'd read the books, they would ask me questions. Oh, well, then what does this mean? What is going on? Who is this person? Mm-hmm. I would get texts <laughs> at the end of episodes season three when I was watching it live (laughs) what was this who's that people would want to watch with me to find out my husband would bug me like during the episode and I'd be like no we're watching now I'll tell you later like you know there were always gaps that needed to be filled in the way that they did their storytelling the reason it wasn't a massive massive issue is because they were sticking so closely to George's source material that it still pretty much made sense. But if you go back, like if you could go look at message boards from, you know, 10 years ago, people didn't fucking know what was going on half the time. They were relying on wikis. (laughs) They were relying on book reading friends to fill in the fucking gaps because these guys actually never really could completely tell a story. The the signs were there from day one. And so you reach this point where they have no books to rely on, nothing to hang the story upon as far as structure. And of course they can't tell a story. They've never really been able to. Do you think any of it had to do with like, like if we take even that aside, anything had to do with maybe they should have stretched or do you think time wouldn't matter more time? I don't think it matters. As a matter of fact, I've said, I think this thing actually went probably a season or two beyond what it needed to. Okay. Um, I think if you'd been smart, if you'd taken the series as a whole, you would have made decisions in season one, maybe not to just adapt a Game of Thrones flat out. To, like, okay. why why not include Stannis Baratheon in season one? Why not yeah. seed some of those people earlier so people care sooner? Okay. Okay, um, if you're really going to do an adaptation that can stand on its own. And that's the it's thing. You know, smarter, it's always basically. been the- it's always been my issue when people are like, oh, you shouldn't criticize it as an adaptation. I'm like, you literally can't watch it unless it's an adaptation because it does not stand on its own. Uh, it's which isn't, never- I mean, that's kind of how you judge any form of artwork. If you can't get what you're supposed to, you know, it, ugh, it's not Do you not remember successful. back in the first season, there were those memes going on with like my dad, there'd be like a picture of all the cast and someone be like, you know, who my dad thinks all these characters are. <laughs> And it would be like Blondie would be Danny. Guy who wants to get in Blondie's pants would be Jorah. I mean, yeah. I Game literally Thrones, had conversations. <laughs> like, I watched that first episode, and I went to the friend who got me into this, and I'm like, okay, who are those three guys? Because I couldn't tell the difference between Rob, Theon, and um, what's his name? And John. And I mean, like, I was like, why are these all these these two guys 
so incestuous. I mean, I didn't know who people were. I had and, to go. I had know, to do what Chicky's saying. Right. I had to go to people and say, who are these people? I had to go back and rewatch it with, like, the captions on. If and this had been, happen, like, though. Memento, where you kind of have to really pay attention, that would make sense. But it is a TV well, show. No, I mean, it is. that is what's going to happen at the start of any of any series. Like, you can't immediately know everything. Like, I think of watching... Um, of watching Band of Brothers and the first up ep- the first episode I'm like I don't I don't understand who any of these people are what's happening and then they're all wearing the same outfits or same I guess uniforms they're all wearing you know uniforms and helmets and I'm really like frustrated and confused but like it was written in such a way that the information I needed to have was given to me and you know it would allow me to to understand which character was which throughout the series by the time I needed to. So, like, they did their job. You know, you can't go in expecting, like, to know everything in that first episode, but, you know, by the end of the first season, did you, you know, did you know who the characters were? And, I mean, I did, I but remember it, a lot still of having didn't. a lot of confusion. Like, I didn't quite understand what Fionn's situation was. Yeah, and the I think it took me watching that three times to figure out what the deal was. And I should have probably been able to understand that by the end, you know, the first season. I mean, I guess I'm saying, like, I I think, well, they even said themselves, like, they were talking about having issues with, um, like, with the pilot and people not understanding that Jamie and Cersei were having sex. And that they were brothers they and were sisters. Siblings as well. yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. That they understood like, that they were having. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm are they sorry, banging? It's my bad. No, but they didn't understand that, you know, that they were brother and yeah, sister. Yeah, I think that actually mm-hmm. happened to my husband, and he was watching it. I don't know; it just went over his head, and he, I remember him saying, "Oh, yeah. they're brothers," and I was like, "Yeah." It was like a couple episodes later. It wasn't. Like... <laughs> I mean, oh, speaking of brothers and sisters. I'm... To go back to the best actor, can we just give a quick shout out to Harry Lloyd too? Oh my God, he was oh, really good. Yeah, he is. Oh he was gosh. so good. Yeah, he's good. Eon, what were you trying to say? Oh, I was just saying. I mean, I started season two, and I hadn't read the books whenever season two first started, so I didn't even know who Stannis was. I had forgotten about Stannis. Them talking about Stannis in the first season, but I was just like, who the who the fuck is this guy? I, I don't know who this is. <laughs> Yeah. To me, oh, like, God. the big issue, you know, in the later seasons was the, like, absolute unwillingness to write dialogue. And he, I think there was a chart that went around or a study that went around, like, the number of minutes of, oh, yeah. or the, the number of words per, epi- like, per minute of episode over time and how, like, it's just, like, there's no, not only, you know, women don't talk, but no one talks. Like, there's literally no dialogue. So it's like, you kind of wonder what those scripts are. Like they're just like five five word sentences followed by you know two paragraphs of explanation of what's on the screen. There's no like to me you know besides all of season eight you know season seven there was a scene between Tyrion and Jamie where they oh wouldn't God. fucking talk about anything <sighs> that realistically those two scene. characters would talk about. And it, you know, those are the characters I cared about. So yeah. there's, you know, the entire plot of Sansa and Arya in season seven. Like there was just this total unwillingness to write dialogue, which I can only like chalk up to that the showrunners slash writers were like extremely lazy. And I, I don't, 
you know, I, I just I don't know how you are a professional writer, but you don't actually want to write words that characters that you've lived with for you know at this point for season eight they've lived with these characters for like 10 or 11 years and maybe like mm-hmm. that burden of you know with the documentaries being so fresh like it's such a it was like they were so immersed in the spectacle of it and it was i mean it that is just seemed taxing like all of that seems so taxing yeah and that's it's almost that like, would be why you hire other yeah, writers yeah, yeah i know exactly cool. so if, you, if that's yeah. an issue then you get somebody yeah it's a but good it's point like, yeah. if you're a writer isn't that just trying like bursting <sighs> i mean much. it's like bursting inside of me except i don't know you know where if you're gonna write a fix it fic for game of thrones like where the fuck do you start well it's like you know like you how know, far back do you go well it's like there's people go that, yeah exactly it's like and it's like there's people that like I don't know, like somebody who's a manager or something, and they're always like complaining about, oh, I have too much to do, too much to do, and then, but they won't delegate to somebody else. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't want to give up control, mm-hmm. so they won't let anybody else do it. But yet they're always they're over overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously for all of for all of the shitty things that they do or don't do, they have talent as you know showrunners and in you know in logistics and these kinds of things. But you know, not it writing. Where's the at heart all. and soul? Yeah, it's like where's the heart and soul? Like, if you well, there is no heart. I mean, they have yeah. no heart and soul. Like that's <laughs> the. I mean, Sad. to me, that's the genesis of genesis. But that's the crux of the issue with the whole series is it has no heart and soul. So there's, you know, here, here, here are all these characters that you know you as the as the watcher have come to care about, but we as the writers. Don't give a fucking shit about them at all. Like, we well, and I think that's, that's yeah. in many ways yeah. the difference between the last few seasons of this show and other prestige television shows is if you look back, you can kind of see when they kind of fell out of love with the source material. I mean, like just the fact that they started shelving Tyrion in, in season six and seven, you <gasps> yeah, know, who they a, previously had loved. That's a big deal, yeah. Just to bring them back in eight because they needed a, you know, I don't know. I don't even, yeah. Self-insert? Maybe. I don't know. Okay, so let's let's move on. Um, so, you know, the shows have had a lot of big battles. And I've, you know, read different rankings of the various big battles on the show. Um, what's everyone's favorite of the big battles? Mine is still Blackwater. Hard home. With hard home is a close second. Yeah, I think it's hard. I'd say hard home just for uh, some of the others just bored me more. I think that actually. I didn't picked bore Watchers me. on the Wall. Oh, okay. That is a good yeah. one. Yeah. That is very good. Yeah, it gets you more intimate, personal battle. Actually, felt like. Hmm. Ian, do you have one? Um, I like hard home, and um, I like the Battle of the Bastards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. Th- I mean, for me, Watchers I liked because I cared about people on both sides, and it was like a nice straddling of spectacle versus personal. Yeah. And I think, you know, Blackwater is probably my second favorite. More, you know, there's not that much spectacle. There's, you know, the big wildfire, but, you know, there's so much personal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they didn't have the budget with Blackwater. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was grounded. Um better as far as the characters went for me that's why i like it better and hard home i think you know the they lucked out was that great. actress who played carsey was yeah. phenomenal yeah. yeah 
And I think that really, that's really hard to do because you come in, she came in as a character and then just, you know. Well, they wrote for her. I mean, they well, wrote a character thing. that was, you know. There's, I mean, we didn't know who she was. Home. It's yeah. not just a battle like like what we had in the last season here, yeah. where just you know just get two episodes that are all battle and hardly any dialogue. Hard Home started out slow. I mean, I haven't rewatched it for years. Mm. I mean, but it started out slow. There was a story. You invested in this brand new character you'd never even met before. You yep. really cared about her. Mm-hmm. It was just a whole different world. And you you see John's John's sword really put into action. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. To this day, oh. I cannot believe we never had a scene with a na- like a well-known character turned into a white that had to be killed by another well-known character right like how did that not ever happen even in episode three of this season when they did reanimate some some characters never yeah yeah, you never had like sam having to confront Uh white ed you know no well they had to subvert our expectations and that would have been too obvious i hate that expression so fucking much but i was just gonna say though what you were talking about with the with the hard home and you know the the setup that was clearly there for a showdown between the night king and and john that we then never really got i mean other not even really (laughs) Uh, not that i begrudge Arya killing him but john should have had a battle with him before the end no i mean somebody put up a John and Arya. Yeah, like Arya could have came in and shanked him in the side after John's been fighting him for a while. Which would have been great. Or, you know, it looks like John's going to die and then Arya comes in last second. Like, great! Or, if you want it to be Arya, then you have Arya start having battles with the Night King in Season 5. Like, that's how you do that. That's how you do it. Yeah. Um, Okay. What is your favorite change that the show made? It's like really hard. It's mm. it's so hard, you guys, to think to think of like positive show things. I oh. think I'm gonna go Gosh. with Bruce Bolton's characterization because I think as written, he'd be kind of like really hard. I mean, because Bruce Bolton in the books is just this. I mean, He's like a, a vampire. <laughs> well, no, but that like the guy who whispers all the time, yeah, who's just so damn God, creepy. You gotta like wonder why anyone would ever give him power. I mean, yeah. so obviously serial killer. And then they went and cast a guy who looks like you know somebody's dad. <laughs> I think that was a good change. I'll give him that. Okay, so I know this is probably an unpopular opinion these days, but I I actually kind of like Showbron. Oh, I don't like him. I don't know. I still. Don't know. I don't think he's that different than Book Bron. He's just in it more, you know. Like yeah, Book Bron is being like a dick, and like fucking with everyone from you know Stokeworth. He's just not, you know, like on the page right now. Yeah. Well, I kind of like it that he was a little more on the page. Yeah. I'm not saying that he should have had you know more spoken words than Brienne. <laughs> but. <laughs> but he's a guy, Chicky. He's a yeah. white guy. So right, like, I don't know what dude, you're, so what you're he expecting. He should do all the talking. I don't know what I thought. Well, clearly. <laughs> I I like that Uncle Benjen was cold hands in the show because I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive Benjen is not cold hands in the book. No, unfortunately. It was nice. It was, it was. I mean, it was just really nice to see Uncle Benjen again. Hot Uncle Benjen? Yes. Cold and hot Uncle Benjen? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he runs a little hot and cold. Uh, <laughs> 
Any other favorite changes? It's hard because some of the things we don't know if they're changes or not. Like, I mean, I wasn't expecting yeah. Brienne. To, I thought Brienne getting knighted was like too far out there of like a fanfic thing, you know? But it was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> if that's a change, that's cool. <laughs> Other yeah. than they ruined it by doing the next, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's so hard. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think it might be a show addition, but I do like it. <laughs> Okay, here's a good one. How about your worst change? Worst changes they made from the show, from the books to the show? Oh God, I didn't like Roz. I didn't like. I mean, it could just be anything. Um, there were some yeah, things. Yeah, And I don't know. It wasn't nothing to do with the actress. I just, it just the whole brothel. Adding so many brothels. That I hated the whole brothel storylines being like so big. And I know why HBO did it, but I, I will never. And I hated all the torture porn and oh, and I'm not. It's just even if it served a purpose, like that was the, it got so boring. It was just fucking boring. I, I, <laughs> I really hated show made. Loris. No sense. Oh, yes. Yeah, they messed up Loris. Ugh. And that too. Ugh, yeah, that's a good one. They messed him up. Mm. I mean, I hated that they put Sansa in Jane Poole's storyline. I hated that. Yeah, that yes. was a big one for me. Yeah. I, you know, to, to improve uh, Theon's character development, I, I can't stand that when they do that. Yeah, yeah, that was not cool. And, I mean, obviously, Jamie, for fuck's yeah. sake, I hate every change that they made with Jamie. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. The, whole the other thing I thing. like is I'm glad that they didn't make Shavis head. I hated the torment pining after Brienne. Oh, yeah. And I hated how everybody thought it was so funny. Uh, Well, that's a symptom of our society. I mean, I hate our society, but, you know, that's a given as well. (laughs) That's there, too. But, but, I mean, that's that's because the world is a dumpster fire, but. I mean, I did a lot of defending of it, but uh, in the end, if this is what they were going to do with Brienne, I resent that they didn't humanize her earlier. And, you know, I always defended the way that they played Brienne because I was like, you can't have book Brienne. You can't have someone who's like 35 act like book Brienne, who's 19. It just wouldn't work very well. And so I, I was always like, I, I understood their take on this is Brienne, but, you know, 15 years older. Um, in retrospect, I wish that they'd shown more of her vulnerability earlier if they were ever eventually going to show it as they did. Because um, it would have been better if it were earlier. And I think they could have uh, done it. I think they could have put it out and it made sense, you know, in a I good mean, way. I, I, I don't know if it's a change, but the... Because I, obviously we don't know where Bran and um, Arya's storyline, but the the total flat affect for both yeah. of them, I thought was that was not a, good. a poor choice. Well, in the same yeah. season too. Yeah. So season seven, yeah. they just not like good. basically had all three of the Stark kids at Winterfell with you know no Dead. emotion. Yeah, it's... directed them to do that, which is a bizarre choice. We're gonna reunite you, but it has to be absolutely joyless. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, that is kind of the show, essentially. At some point, they decided that the show itself was completely joyless. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what's oh. the point of what's the point of defeating the White Walkers if everything is so utterly devoid of devoid of joy? Like even the end, you know, the very very ending of the show, 
they I think they think that they expressed some joy, but they certainly didn't. They didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was, you know, desolate and and you know, hor- yeah. It just left up. It left a lot of questions for me. As far as I mean, I don't think anybody really covered the whole brand being king. I mean, from my understanding, he uses the Weirwoods to tap into weirwood.net or what what have you. I mean, didn't Drogon burn everything down? So we didn't even see the gods would. So, and there's no other Weirwoods around because they cut them all down, right? They just sort of forgot about that part of it. They just (laughs) forgot about it, right? And I mean, also, also another thing... I mean, there's there's just too many questions. Like, I mean, part of the you know the Red Keep, I think it was the Tower of the Hand crashed down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gone, and then all of a sudden they're having a meeting. Oh yeah. At the tower. Oh my god, yeah. that's a good because when he was yeah when he was flying around, there was one part that he kind of almost oh. cut down with his fire, and it went. They rebuilt it clearly. See, <laughs> and, and the fact that you could never like nothing ever. Yeah. You nothing stood up to close examination. I mean, that's yeah. a problem. Even distant examination most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, that's been an ongoing problem. Yeah. Like, Kama, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. This is not a new yeah. problem. They've had this issue all along. They've had it all along. It's just they had the strength of the story structure for at least the first three books. Yeah. to kind of keep them going through the fourth season. And then when they just didn't adapt feast and dance in anything but a very abstract way. Um, and I'm not saying I don't understand the problems they may have had adapting those books, but... I don't um, understand the problems they might have had adapting those books. I mean, how, how is Brienne's... How, you know, Brienne's feast oh, chapters God, would make an awesome 10-episode... Ten, ten oh, God, would make, yeah. You know, you could do every single one of her chapters in a 10 episode season and you would have that like horrible spooky sense of doom like running through you know running through them and it would I mean it would be not a hot chick and they want you know (laughs) this this is one of the things and this is this is I think one of the core mistakes at the beginning of the adaptation right and I understand why they made the mistake it's not that I don't understand why, as you were looking at, at it and thinking of adapting it, you might make this mistake. They thought, okay, well, this story won't make sense if, you know, we don't give Robert enough screen time, if we don't give yeah. Cersei and Jamie enough screen time early on. And I understand where they're coming from, and they have a point to an extent. But what they did when they created that expectation that certain people were going to be main characters throughout, like they did it with Rob, Mm -hmm. they did it with a lot of people, is that they um, neglected the arcs of the actual POV characters in the books. And I think this is something to keep in mind with George's structure. Mm. His POV characters are the ones who have real arcs. Some non-POV characters do have pretty good arcs, but not everybody who isn't a POV character who's a character in his books is going to have like a fully realized character arc. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the POV characters that George has invested in. And when you take the show and you don't make Catelyn and Davos and Brienne and Sam 
the, you know, and Jamie, quite frankly, the more central characters they need to be. And you take people who don't have POV chapters for a long time or at all, like Cersei and Ron and, I mean, even to an extent here, Varys and Littlefinger. And you give them these massive roles. You take what are actually fairly small. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You take what are actually fairly small roles in the books and make them massive on the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're going to run into real problems unless you're a really great writer, which I know I remember seeing a video clip of Baneoff. He didn't even know that Sam was a POV character. Yeah. (sighs) Well, that's because as I will have keep attesting to, they they didn't read those books. Yeah. So I mean he would have yeah would have no idea. Well actually wait Sam's the POV in Storm but um which uh, just is the book those. they purported to really that yeah he did, them he did to not really know. Wanted, I think they were told the story by somebody they read part of it they liked the idea they liked the shock I keep saying this I'm not going to say it again but you know I'm looking at my list here for like a positive question, um, and, and I really don't have any. So um, we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. What was the worst show only scene? Oh God. God, like bad There's pussy was one? horrific, like or whatever pussy. Um, there were so some that were oh, really hard to one watch. One of the rape scenes, either Sansa's or oh, Cersei's. God, I yeah. the sept was horrendous. Um, I mean, Sansa's stuff was just, especially since I knew they were, you know, making that shit up. I mean, for me, it's it's um, the White Sword Tower scene with Jamie and Cersei, uh, where they literally, like, uh, I mean, that was the first, that was like, not the first, but I mean, that was the final nail in the, you know, the Jamie coffin, really. Like, you could accept that. They're just complete morons who paid no attention and accidentally filmed a rape, but then to you know have a scene where it's like you know this is where it gets it gets hard because it's like literally my favorite character in my favorite scene in in any of the books, and they you know literally do the exact opposite. Yeah, gosh, I mean. You can just honestly take your pick. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Kama feels this way about how they killed Stannis. Oh, God. Yeah. I, it wasn't his death. It was the, the whole, burning. like, the Shireen arc, which I, it was the, oh, look, there's a flake. It was the very, it would be Your like. inability to have A Floridian's reaction snowballs. to snow is what yeah. they gave him. Oh, look, there's a flake of snow. I'm going to go kill my only heir. I mean, if they had established it as I assume it's going to be established in the books, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. But it was literally like, I just, it was so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You could just take your pick out of anything. I mean, Jamie saying he doesn't care about the innocence. I mean, that that was pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple more, and then we're done. I think. Uh, what was your What was the worst episode of the series? Oh God. <laughs> I can't remember specific episodes. Jesus, I mean, like. Yeah. 
like I said, like when I'm saying I, I can't distinguish between seasons five and six, I actually cannot distinguish between seasons five and six. I mean, I think most of season eight is in that category. Yeah. It's just for simply what the fuck are you doing kind of stupidity. There's an episode in season six, and I think it might be, um, I'm not sure that it's near the end of season six, but it's literally, I think that Tyrion, Grey Worm, and Missendi have a non-conversation oh. twice. Mm. And then oh. in that same episode, Arya has a chase through the streets of Braavos oh, twice. Oh, the, the dysentery, like she, oh, she gets stabbed and then she, she dumps into the dirty water. And it, oh. But it was like the same scenes oh, I hate that twice one. in a row from in both of these storylines. And it was just like, what the fuck are you? That's like the, bo- now, that's the thing. Like, and I was noticing feeling actual bored in the eighth season. And it's the same thing yeah. when I think about those i think how boring is that like just boring and they think it's it was so super great, boring. It was boring yeah <sighs> um okay favorite episode in the series or favorite scene i actually think um oh god i don't remember the name of it it's not a Brienne one or anything, but it's it's probably for me. It's in season one when Ned is executed. I thought that was just beautifully done. Like that whole his execution scene, I thought mm-hmm. I I really liked. I didn't like it, but I mean, it really worked for me. I liked it when they cut his head off. <laughs> no, but like you know, it was more like Macy Williams and how she yeah. reacted, and and I mean, they and had like the guy who played Yorn, who was great, was like another an outstanding actor. Yeah, was good. So, and that's one of the ones that stayed with me. Like Red Wedding, I thought was shittily done. I'm gonna say that, and that doesn't really do much for me. Yeah, I agree about Red Wedding. Uh, the only thing I was thinking is the aftermath of the Red Wedding with the Hound and Arya. That was actually a pretty good scene. Um, uh, it's so hard. It's always like the little scenes. Like, I loved that scene. I think it was in season two, but it might have been three when um, the Night's Watch guys are trying to get back to the wall. You know, they've been north of the wall. And... Um, Jor Mormon, you know, tells tells Sam he can't die. They're all walking along a ridge somewhere in Iceland, and like that is a gorgeous, gorgeous, amazing scene, and just an example of them doing a lot with a much smaller budget. Yeah. <laughs> I really like what I saw. I there must have been a um, a rewatch or something a couple before a couple seasons ago, and it was the second episode of season three. It's Dark Wings, Dark Words, and it's actually I think the last one that was um, it was either written and or directed by a woman. Actually, I think it was written by a woman, and it's hilarious. Yeah. I think so it was both written and directed by women. Actually, and it I think that I, I think that's a Michelle McLaren with, episode with Gendry and Hot Pie and Arya after oh. they leave Heron Hall and they're like bickering and it's really it's really really actually quite funny <laughs> and then that's the Jamie and Brienne like wandering through the woods and then the sword fight which the sword fight was a little bit you know not as great as the books of course but yeah. there's this humor to it and I mean I just remember you know if you watch it now if you watch Nikolai Kostrowaldo how fucking happy he is like Aww. he is Jamie drunk on sunlight in this <laughs> in this scene. Like he is just so happy to be out and like just giving this, you know, this random random soldier just all kinds of shit. And I mean it is it's really it's 
light, you know, for an episode, you know, or most of the episode is fairly light, and it's just, it's delightful. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I would watch this show, you know, happily all the time. Uh, it had, you know, there was humor to it. It was just like, yes, you know, the books are not this morose, awful, dystopic, nihilistic thing. Like, there's no. heart and humor and, you know, the entirety of the, you know, I think there's the entirety of the human experience, not just, you know, depravity. And I feel like yeah, the show just ended in, yeah. yeah, just like the depravity of it. Mm-hmm. And why would it's anyone want to watch yeah. that? So it was just, it feels like a breath, a breath of fresh air when you watch it. Cause it's like, <laughs> Oh, these are the, this, this is why I like these characters. Can like, you imagine I what it would have been if, if it was like, I don't know, 75% women and 25% men running the show. Like, just, like, oh my god, it would have been so different. Mm. I mean, I hope, you know. I think I it would have. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, if, if from top down, even from HBO, yeah. like, if they didn't have HBO saying, give us more titties, if they didn't have, you know... Um, yeah. Well, I think we all kind of agree generally women are better written when there are women in the writer's <laughs> room, because um, you know, you know, sometimes people forget that women are are people, you know? And What? Mm-hmm. No, we're not. <laughs> you see no, a lot no. of that on we're, Game we're of Thrones. That's how you mothers. get mates. We exist to have sex, and right. that's about it. Exist, exist to have babies, exist to make drama. It's okay um, if you're a tomboy, but you can't grow up to be too mannish, you yeah. know? You can't be too girly. Yep. But if, yeah. Or, or God forbid, if you do want to do a non-traditionally woman-ish role in your life, don't have any emotions while doing it. Don't care about anything. Don't yeah. don't be vulnerable. I mean, I know it's a whole other story. I mean, I, I feel like I should say for the um, majority of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I I retweeted this article in the in, from the BBC website where they had enlisted this firm to do basically an analysis on Game of Thrones and they uh, went through every episode of every season to see what the percentages of speaking time were for men versus women and overall for the series 75% of the spoken lines were delivered by men and for season 8 only 22% of the of the speaking time went to women which is outrageous considering the number of women i mean it's outrageous yeah and considering like who are the you know considering that in season eight you still have cersei you have danny you have Arya, you have sansa you know you you have brienne you have like five major female characters and three of them are essentially queens and leaders except by then i mean it was then they don't say anything i mean cersei got she got the Brienne treatment in some respects. The oh, yeah. okay, Her go stand against the wall there, oh, yeah. and don't say anything. And you know, I mean, and look menacing. I mean, can you imagine she did that? Cersei, she did like, it well. You know, but... people were laughing, but can you imagine Cersei just calmly slinking by? You know, just little things like that oh. are so uncersey like. <laughs> like, I wanted to see Cersei wigging out. Like, <laughs> I wanted to see Cersei on trial. You know, I mean, just. There, there's a million different ways that you yeah, could have, you know, yeah. you, you could have resolved this, and you know, there are currently a million fanfics being written <laughs> right now that do resolve it in different ways, and you know, the vast majority will probably be more interesting than than what we saw. Came up with, yeah. 
So, any any last words on season eight? Do we have mail that we're going to read? We do. Okay. Let me just cue that up. Uh, find the right date. Uh, okay. So, um, we had a comment on Podbean. Um, I'm not going to be able to read. It's like MJBMGH, but basically it says, Bramy is real. Thanks. Who's um, Bramy? Yeah, no clue. <laughs> um, we have um, a Tumblr anon that said, um, if Bran was the villain all along, then Jamie is the only man who ever tried to stop the tyrant taking power. <laughs> Rest in peace, the true hero of the saga. And it would have even been better if Bran, like, ever, if anybody's seen that clip of video where somebody made the creepy music and Bran's warging into everyone making them do what they did, like, wargs into Danny. I mean, that would have been, I don't, it, it's creepy. That would have actually probably worked better it than what they worked, gave us. It would have worked, I think. Yeah, yeah, that he was, you know, the big evil. <laughs> um, we got a... Uh, another, these are all Tumblr nons, um, somebody who said, um, you guys have to watch the Jason Momoa reaction to the last episode. That. It's yeah, a mood. What, what happened? I didn't he, see it. He was like panning over. He, well, he was cussing and he's like, you punk ass bitch when John stabbed Danny. And then he was like this dark room. It looked like this little, like, just whatever you're sitting on the couch. I don't know if it was his brother or like, I had the sound wasn't all the way up when I was watching it, but like. Is somebody sitting next to him sleeping? The dude's sleeping, and he keeps panning over to the guy sleeping. <laughs> like perfect. Comment. Did you see the Snoop Dogg reaction? No. Oh no. god, it's kind of the same thing. But oh, it's hilarious. I gotta watch. He's that. not very happy. Um, we got a message from of Wicked Light, who Shelby. Um, I'm gonna read this one. By the way, Shelby wrote in a ton. We have a ton of. Um, uh, she wrote us a ton of messages that I don't think we got to, but thank you. Um, and she writes, um, hey, Shelby here. Okay, I just want to say that when I saw that Chikrin, Guile, and Jinmo reblogged my JB meta, the one about how the white book scene sucked, I was so shook. Oh my god, I can't oh. believe you guys liked my oh. writing and agreed with me. I feel so validated that the JB experts uh, joined me in my rage. Well, <laughs> I've never been called that before. Yeah, I don't and, know that um, we can be JB experts, but <laughs> it was a meta about, um, you know, because I think there's some people that, you know, are are fine with Brienne's ending. And, you know, I'm I'm happy for them. But this more power of, to you guys. Yeah, this was about, you Go know, with why, God. why it was horrible. <laughs> so We got a message from Ian who writes, hey, ladies and occasional gents. I'm a longtime listener, but first time writer. But after the travesty that was the depiction of Bri- uh, Brienne and Jamie's arcs, I knew I needed to express my sorrow with those that might understand how I feel. Before I start, I want to thank you for being the bastions that protect the storyline and rage openly at the just- injustices we have suffered at the hands of D&D and the horror show they have made. At least I don't feel alone. I love your wit and your cutting criticism. I seriously think you should look to careers in comedy because you really know how to make the audience laugh. <laughs> you have become one of the most entertaining parts of the A Song of Ice and Fire experience. But there is one opinion I don't share with you. I'm not convinced that George R.R. R. Martin will give us a satisfying end either. In my opinion, and I'm no expert, he is a builder and not a finisher. And already I see a decline in his work. His first books were incredible, 
Feast was okay. Naturally, I love the J&B chapters, but the rest was only readable. Dance was poor. It was closer to a Robert Jordan Wheel of Filler novel than his previous works. So with all the delays and the quality of the last book, doubt has set in. Furthermore, I have passed the anger part of grief, and I am now despondent, starting to doubt what I had read in the books. I even read all the J&B chapters again to cement my beliefs, and actually it has made things worse. I hope it's just my sorrow that has made me read them differently. I'd like to share how I read them and what I believe is happening. And after, I hope you can give me a quick quick slap around the face, tell me to pull myself together, and tell me it's all going to work out. Here goes. Brienne loves Jamie romantically, but experience has broken her definition of love, so any man that shows her trust, respect, and consideration gets elevated to a place of love where she is using love like a life draft to stop her drowning in the terrible world around her. In my eyes, her lover should do a lot more than that to earn her love. She really deserves so much better. In many ways, what she really needs is a psychologist and not a lover. Yet on the other hand, her road to being quote-unquote fixed requires a lover that will give her unconditional love, which ironically is what Cersei got from Jamie, no matter how terribly she acted. Is that a message saying that unconditional love can save or corrupt? Um, hang on. Uh, Jamie doesn't love Brienne. He hero worships her. He doesn't want to be with her. He wants to be her and everything she believes in. There are sexual references in Jamie's chapters of her, his reactions to her and her dreams of her. But if I am an a- example of the Sorry, I can't. But if I am an example of the average man, I can tell you that really doesn't mean anything. Um, hang on. Sorry, this is uh, a lot to read aloud here. Um, I'm going to summarize a little bit. Um, I think he's talking here about um, erotic dreams that you have, you know, you, of people you don't, have interest in real life are not in common and it is what is a dream where would induce or not um and then he's he's going through this and he basically says so where is the romance i was so sure existed um why is someone sending us a letter like this i don't know i mean i think so I think what he's getting at that it, it clouds everything. He basically everything. is going through his judgment. line of reasoning and then he says, yeah. okay, now I have unburdened myself of all that is pissing me off. Can you throw me a line and drag me back to the ship? Yes. George R.R. Okay. R. Martin is writing about a specific character having dreams and boners for someone. He is not writing every average man, first of all. Like, Jamie doesn't react that way because he's showing, he wants to show us how the average man would react. Like, no, there's a specific purpose around it. Well, there's a last thought. We've talked about that before. Okay, sorry. As a final thought, I do feel that it is right that Brienne ends as Lord Commander because her arc is very much about her being the perfect knight, even in a world that can't accept it. And all the greatest knights whose names are remembered throughout history have a connection to that role. It's fitting that the greatest of them all will be remembered thus. Thanks for no, all you do. No, wrong. <laughs> I 
like that's not what Brienne's arc is about. No. Like maybe um, in the show because they've turned her into an emotionless, like, like toy soldier. But no, yeah, Terminator. I, I, gotta, I mean, I gotta say, Ian was the name here. I totally get where you're coming from. But even just hearing the way you describe it, it, it sounds like a very show influenced view of what you're reading in the books. And here's what I here's what I have to say about first of all everything to do with how Jamie and Brienne's romance is set up in the books. Um, I've been outed as a writer. I don't write By fiction, but I've written a lot of the shit. And you just don't waste time throwing in random details over and over that are world building. And what you see with the Jamie and Brienne romance is a very steady building of a sexual and emotional attraction between them. And when you want to talk about things like Jamie's boner at Hall bath scene. Um, he actually, George, will revisit that from Brienne's point of view in Feast to make sure that you know that, in fact, she was also sexually attracted to Jamie at the same time that Jamie was attracted to her. So basically what you were seeing was this mutual moment of lust between them <laughs> in this bath hall scene. You just don't bother to do shit like that if it's not going anywhere. Um, it's not world building. It's not, I realize men can have boners over the funniest post I ever saw on Reddit was freshly folded laundry. Um, I realize you guys can't <laughs> over anything, but a writer doesn't write about it um, without having a reason, especially as pointedly as he writes about it with Jamie. So I understand where you're coming from, and I totally get the kind of nihilistic view. You can kind of look at the show. Hopefully that helps, because that, that is um, Because of the show. <laughs> but if you really go back and read it, and here's another thing I want to say, and I feel like the Jamie Brienne fandom is very guilty of this. Stop fucking reading them in isolation. You need to read the whole series again. Because when you read them completely in context of the whole series, you're like, oh, fuck. That's what this whole storyline is about, you know? Like, don't don't just read Jamie and Brienne's chapters in Feast. Read Cersei's, too, at least. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of need the whole context. I mean, we kind of get caught up on George's POV structure as though they're all, they can all be pulled apart from one another. But he actually is, generally speaking, building, building a story. Although uh, it's very funny what you said about the... Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time stuff. I, I actually think Feast is the best book, though, for my money. I actually think that Feast, I mean, sorry, sorry, letter writer, I don't mean to be, like, so, like, agitated. I think of it as the equivalent of getting the slap in the face, but, like, Feast is great. Dance has... Dance needed editing, but the actual... I, you know, I get it. Dance, uh, for me, is such a tough book. I, I do think it's so bloated. It desperately needed some editing. And there's some beautiful pieces in there, and there's some great the Winterfell storyline is great. Ash's POV is great. Like, there's some great stuff there. Well, and if you think about, if you edited all of it, and you had Feast and Dance as one novel as they were meant to be, yeah. Uh, there actually is a pretty good story in there if you make it as lean as it needs to be. But I agree with you. George is bloated. We've talked about this with his wins chapters that have been released. You've got, you know, Arianne traveling for two chapters with nothing really happening. You've got Tyrion sitting around during the Battle of Marine with nothing really happening. He's got a very big problem with making his story move forward. He's very yeah. lost. And I, and I think about the same thing. 
I and I think exactly. part of that too is like we're so I could see where that sort of despondency comes in because when you don't know like we do not know he can say he's going to finish it but we just do not know and it's been so long it's almost like um, you're just going to the worst catastrophe like okay this doesn't mean anything you know it turns into like I better I just have like I don't know why get yourself worked up for something that's not going to end up good anyway. I guess that's where I kind of see the letter writer coming from. You know, you're, you're getting I totally away from from self-preservation. Self-preservation. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. we know he's never going to finish the whole series. <sighs> he'll probably get wins, but that's probably going to be it. I'm, I've just got a couple more I wanted to... These are from... Um, these are older ones we never got to. Um, at least I'm pretty sure I tried to re-listen... Um, there was one from the Golden Kitten Queen who said, Hey, y'all, I'm beyond pissed. Apparently, D&D managed to lose their one shared brain cell when writing this season. Do you think they'd ever thought before in their life? Truly astounding. I'm so mad. The only good thing to come out of this show is the Urban Decay <laughs> and Game of Thrones eye palette. That's it. And these fuckers weren't even involved with that. And that then being- someone told me the palette wasn't that good. So... <laughs> Well, I think it's it's sort of a relative thing, if I'm understanding this message correctly. Um, that being said, how would you end the show books in a narrative? Okay, that we may say for Drunk Cast, um, which I think I just spilled means that we're going to have one. Um, there's another one. Oh, since Chicky just referred to outing herself, um, I think this refers to you, Chicky. Um, an anonymous uh, person said... Hi, I just listened to your podcast. Could you tell me the name of the fanfic author you mentioned who writes fantastic short stories for Jamie and Brienne? Um, I couldn't go back to write down the name you said. Thanks. Um, hugs and kisses. That would be Sigil Broken. And you should run, not walk to go read those. And it's the In This Light storyline. Or stories. Series, whatever. And then um, I'll just do one more here. Um, hello ladies and gents I want to say one thing and make sure you all say it at the same time please and then it's boo like across three whole lines so I don't know if we can all say that together yeah boo you know (laughs) Um, one thing Game of Thrones has done is make you guys come together I thank all of you for the joy you have given me over the years that I should have gotten from this show (laughs) <laughs> I, that was I think we're all right there with you yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's been the, the and we still have lots more of your mail and I think we will try to get to it in uh, you know next couple episodes you should send us some questions for that upcoming drunk cast too yeah we're going to be we'll have a drunk cast that will record I think June 8th so we'll put a note um you don't have notes out there on all of our social media, but um, get us your, you know, get us some questions. Uh, you know, the dirtier, the more inappropriate, probably the better. I find. <laughs> um, I think Lot is going to host it, so she might actually be capable of reading by the end of the episode, which <laughs> I certainly was not the last drunk cast. So there's a definite possibility that there's, it's going to be a little bit more. Um, in control, so <laughs> something to look forward to. Well, uh, and Gail, you, you kind of covered it, but like, are we going to talk about the fact what we're planning to do? Yeah. So, okay. so here's what here's what we have for our upcoming schedule. Our next episode is actually going to be 
kind of um, what we think the end of the series is going to be and how the show has or has not informed that. So it'll be, you know, really getting into that, you know, what do we, what do we think was George's ending? What was stuff D and D were just pulling out of their ass. Um, then we have our drunk cast and then starting, I think it'll be June 18th would be the first chapter. Um, we're going to be doing a re-reread of Jamie and Brienne's <laughs> point of view chapter. So, so literally, what Chicky said not to do, we're going to do <laughs> just read Jamie and Brienne. So, um, you know, we'll be starting. <laughs> it's totally. Uh, we'll be starting with um, Jamie one uh, from uh, from A Storm of Swords. However, I would amend this for those of you if you if you were interested in doing a read along and you haven't read the books before. I would strongly recommend that you start with Catelyn's last chapter from A Clash of Kings. And we actually, um, I, th- I think it's posted on our Twitter as well. But, um, you know, we've, we've recapped that in the past as well. So that's really an essential Jamie and Brienne chapter that I think um, you have to start with if you're, if you're new to the books. Plus, it's an awesome chapter. And actually, there's like a little surprise at the end of that episode of the podcast that I think is really fun, too. So <laughs> that's your homework if you're so inclined. And if you, um, as you know, we've gotten so much mail over um, over the Game of Thrones season, and you know, we will definitely get to answering it. Um, we love it. It gets a little bit overwhelming in season. Um, once once we get to this book chapters, we'll really be begging for your messages. <laughs> and you can you can reach us at close the door and at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter at Door Podcast. You can find us on Tumblr at Close the Door and Come Here. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So that's on iTunes. Where We'd also would love it if people would like and review us on iTunes. That helps um, other people find the show as well. And you can listen to us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play. Again, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can support us on Patreon at Close the Door and Come Here. And ladies, with that, I am closing the door. Get out.